Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong, but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women, and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today, you'll meet Laura Jane Beauville. Laura Jane is a teacher turned farmer who loves to share her love of gardening, preserving, and cooking with everyone. After years of searching, Laura Jane, her husband, and four kids moved to their property just north of Winnipeg, Manitoba in 2019. Bowville Barnyard grew into a business out of their desire to be more connected to the food and to teach others how to do the same. You are going to love my conversation with Laura Jane. She is filled with so much energy and light, and I very much enjoyed chatting with Laura Jane. Before we get to her interview, I would like to acknowledge that hopefully, fingers crossed, that we are getting close to the end of Harvest 2023, which means I have more time to sit in this recording chair. And what I am asking for you, of you, the listeners of the Rural Woman podcast, if you would like to share your story on the show, or you would like to hear a fellow female farmer, rancher, homesteader, woman in agriculture extraordinaire here on the Rural Woman podcast. We do have a form on wildrosefarmer.com for you to fill out to do just that. I would love to share your story and the other incredible stories of women in agriculture. And I love a good recommendation, whether you're recommending yourself or another incredible woman in agriculture. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com and under the Rural Woman Podcast tab, there is a form to either nominate yourself or another incredible woman in agriculture to share their story on the show. I am looking forward to another incredible recording season of the Rural Woman Podcast. So please put your name forward or the other incredible women that you would like to hear from. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Laura Jane. Laura Jane, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. How are you today? I am really good. We had rain last night and now it is sunny and makes me happy. So <laughs> I love talking to a farmer who is happy about rain. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's not that many farmers that aren't happy about rain, but we know if you get too much, then it's no good. So 
you know? Exactly. Yeah. We're starting off on a good foot here. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Jane, tell us more about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and how you got your start in agriculture. Okay. So my name is Laura Jane Bovell. I am my husband and myself and our four kids moved out just north of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Well, this, this is our fifth growing season. I used to be a teacher. I left that and now I am a farmer and it, it's lovely. It's amazing. So. And we are going to dive in to all the loveliness that is a farmer, but I want to go back. Uh, you, you weren't a farmer before, you were a teacher, but you did grow up in a city, correct? Correct. Yes, I grew up in the city definitely a city kid had like the memories of running to like farms around the city every fall and like feeding corn husks and just like loving all of the animals loving it out there but definitely like if you asked 12 or 13 year old Laura Jane would she ever live not 10 minutes within a mall I was like what are you talking about how do you live and now you wouldn't catch me dead there but what did Laura Jane want to do? Did she want to be a teacher? Yes. In a very roundabout way, I did want to be a teacher. Teaching education is definitely where my gifting and my skills are. And I found a lot of fulfillment in education. And there was just so many things that changed and happened that I definitely felt like this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And it's it's wonderful. Yeah. So long story. Yes. I was a arts teacher though. So music on the stage, performing all of the things. Yeah. That was, that was my jam. And when I got to university, it's like, well, what else would I teach besides music? (laughs) I was like, that's what I'm the best at. (laughs) I always love talking to like a fellow, like high school drama nerd, because, you know, lots of people in my older, wiser years don't even believe me that I, you know, I too was the drama kid in musical theater and all of the things. And look at, look at us now, farmers behind microphones. Absolutely. It's (laughs) It all comes full circle. (laughs) So growing up, what were some of your first memories around food? You had mentioned that you went and did the farm funds things with petting zoos and going to local farms, but Where did you think your food came from growing up? Well, both of my grandparents had very large gardens and both did canning and preserving. And so I have very strong and very fond memories of spending time with grandparents in the gardens and helping them plant and not so much weed and then a lot of eating the fresh veg. So in that sense, I never was like, Hmm, I didn't know that corn grew on stalks or that carrots came from under the ground. But the idea of like local and like that connection to your food wasn't something that I I valued. And it wasn't necessarily something that we valued as a family growing up. Like we got all of our food at the grocery store. And when grandma and grandpa had extra produce, we had some. But it wasn't that wasn't like high on our family priorities. So in that sense, it, it feels very much like a 180 to be here now growing a significant portion of our food. And it's, there was a lot of time and things that happened in between then and now. And it's so fun to kind of trace that line. So 
Was there, you, you mentioned there's things that happened between then and now. So what were some of like the pivotal moments for you and your husband and your family that decided that you no longer wanted to live in a city and you wanted to start a farm? Right. So I can actually trace this back to one singular moment. At, and it's so funny. I love telling the story because it has literally informed like the last 13 years of our lives. I was pregnant with my very first son. Uh, he is He was 13 as of this summer. So 13-ish years ago, I had left the house and my husband, bless his soul, cleaned the whole house top to bottom, like amazing. And I came home and in this like hormonal reaction, I walked in and the house smelled like Mr. Clean. And I had this like millennial meltdown of we're gonna poison our babies and it was such a such a like overwhelming I have to change this how are we not poisoning our babies like how are we how can we do this and so I literally made a commitment at that point so I was pregnant with our first we had just bought a home we had both just graduated from university as educators neither of us had jobs and we were pregnant, about to have a baby. So we were really poor, <laughs> really broke. And I couldn't go out and just purchase all of the like greener products. So I like deep dove into research mode. And every single time I ran out of something in my house, I didn't just go buy what I had grown up with or what I had used before. I was like, okay, let me think about like, let's see if I can find something non-toxic to replace it, preferably DIY because that's cheaper. <laughs> and so within a few years, like we had switched over all the house products and I went, oh, well, what about like my makeup and like our, our, our other stuff? Like, does that have chemicals and, and stuff in it? And so switched over all of our, our home care or like our personal care. Yeah. Personal care items and all of those things. And once I was done with that, I was like, well, our food, could our, our food has stuff in it too. And I dove into researching that. And that was kind of what kickstarted this. I had always gardened. I had, once we had a home, I started gardening, but I kind of went into overdrive and I was like, well, I have to, I have to grow all of our food. And we lived in the city and we had a very small lot and I converted my whole backyard into garden. I had like my front landscape with edible landscaping. And the only thing I was able to do was grow enough tomatoes for us. I, I didn't buy tomato products at the store. And I was like, this is great. Like, this is awesome. How do I do more? How do I, how do I like, how do I do this? And so in that time, we'd also started making friends with local farmers, like-minded people, and just kind of, you know, finding those connections. And so we had learned of a friend who, if we helped them with butchering, they'd give us a discount on our chickens that we bought from them. So we learned how to butcher from them. We found people who we could buy honey from or beef. You know, we made all of those connections and, but it, like, it's still, we still feel like we want to we want to be more connected we want to know exactly where everything's coming from and you can't always know all of that and it was getting expensive we have four little mouths to feed and trying to get everything the best the highest qualities um it was getting expensive and we're like okay um what are what are our options here i can work more we can get more jobs or we can buy a farm and do it ourselves. 
And so we kind of like weighed the two options and then, um, yeah, landed on a farm. <laughs> that was the next best thing. Right? Right. <laughs> I would say, if I, you know, instead of getting another job, you know, that would be a few hours a week. You've gotten a full 24-7 exactly. <laughs> lifestyle. Right? right. Exactly. <laughs> I went from working nine to five for someone else to working five to five, 24 hours yeah. a day for myself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, and your journey of finding the right property took some time. So can you share with us some of the challenges you faced during your five-year property search and the process of finding the right space for your family? Yeah, it was a really long search. It was five solid years of looking and and kind of not only just looking, but wrapping our minds fully around it. Because we'd go, like the very first we were looking, we put in two different offers on different properties and things would get rejected and we're like, okay, I guess that's not where we're supposed to be. And we definitely believe that things happen for a reason. And so we weren't devastated at all, but at the same time we went, okay, so I guess these aren't, this wasn't what was supposed to be. So I guess we'll like, we'll keep going. We'll keep moving forward. And in that time, like we upgraded things in our city house so that when we did sell it, we were able to make a good profit on it. We actually at that point had another child in there as well. And so it was a very, we had a really long list of things that we wanted not only in the house, but in the proximity that we were to our lives before, because people think I'm crazy when I tell them, but when we moved from the city, my parents were five minutes one way and my in-laws were five minutes the other. We had so much help and support and people were like, why would you, why would you leave that? And we just felt so strongly like this is where we are supposed to be. This is what we are supposed to be doing. And so in the end, when we did find this property, everything fell into place. I had seen it online and then it actually ended up selling. And I was like devastated because I was like, no, this, I think this is our place. And anyways, that sale fell through. We ended up coming, all of those things. And so we definitely feel like this was divine intervention. Like this is where we were supposed to be. We were supposed to have it at this time. And yeah, all of the pieces fell into place and we moved out here. I was still teaching in the city. My husband still teaches in the city as well. And we pulled the parent by day or teacher by day, parent by night, homesteader by the rest of the time, (laughs) right? Wearing all of the hats all the time. And it like, it was, it was a lot, but we, we managed, we managed it. We slowly started to add things like the weekend we moved in, I made my husband break ground on my garden because we moved May long weekend. I was like, I am not, not living outside of the city and not growing a garden. Sorry. So in between moving boxes, he um, broke ground for me. So yeah, it, there, there were lots of struggles, but we definitely, we know this was where we were supposed to land. So, well, And it's funny to me, you know, the question of why would you leave when you have the support that you do, but knowing in your heart that that support is going to follow you and show up in different ways when you are where you're supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, people have shown up for us in huge ways. Community, you don't have to be like within this tiny little sphere for someone to still be your community, right? Like in your family, those are choices. That is time that is like energy poured in. 
and proximity is nice, but it that's not the only thing that matters. <laughs> Absolutely. That made me a little misty. Oh, good job. <laughs> the number of times I have cried while listening to your podcast, I was like, I don't know if I, I don't feel like I'll, I'll... anyways, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't need to be in there. <laughs> Laura Jane, take us back to 2019. And you said, you know, you were planting seeds the May long weekend, you moved in. Take us on the journey of where, Beauville Barnyard started in 2019 and what you've grown into today. Right. So 2019, we moved, we started with the gardens, planned on the chickens, and things moved slow. (laughs) Slow as molasses. The house needed a ton of repairs. And so we really focused on trying to make our space livable while I did as much as I could kind of on my own on the property. And then 2020 happened. And as everyone knows, the entire world pivoted. And we pivoted real hard here too. As teachers, we were we were working from home. We were teaching from home. But that meant we were home. And all of a sudden, my husband, who uh, is a, a coach on top of his teaching, so that means he's putting in hours and hours and hours outside of the normal school day, And in the community, he was home all of a sudden, and he's never been home. And he is one of those people who has boundless ADHD energy and needs something to do, like needs something to do. And so, yeah, he poured all of his energy into all of our infrastructure, getting stuff set up for us, getting set up for me to be able to manage it kind of without his daily, well, he's definitely a daily input, but as much like of that as possible. And so, yeah, in 2020, we went from two smaller gardens to now we have over an acre of gardens spread out in a bunch of different areas. We had had a few chickens in a converted coop that we made. We built a second one. We have a big, large flock of layers and we upped the amount of meat chickens that we raised. So we raised pasture raised chickens that we sell. And uh, we now run a small market garden and I sell our Beauville boxes. And you need a good name. I love, I love alliteration. You need a good name. <laughs> and that kind of all came as of last growing season. I launched our Beauville's barnyard the year before I had had some health issues and I had taken leave of absence from my teaching position. And in that time, it gave me like time and space that I had literally have never had. And I went, okay, like, what do, what do I want to do when I'm an adult? What do I want to do as a grown up? Because as much as I love education and educating, there was, it just wasn't working for our family, burning both ends, both, both ends of the candle. What's that saying? Yeah. Both, both ends of the candle at the same time. And I was burning out and my kids are of the age that if you do activities, they have to be driven and my kids are involved in stuff and it was just go, 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 go. And it wasn't sustainable. And I was finding that I was expending energy on the kids at school and I'd come home and I didn't have that for my, my family at home, which is my number one priority. And so we said, okay, something's got to change. How do I do that? And Boville's Barnyard came out of that and we went, okay, so if I'm not going to school or like teaching at school, what am I going to do? And so we started selling our Boville boxes seasonally, what is available from our gardens. 
They include eggs and pasture-raised chicken. And then I started recently, this year, I started teaching Bullville classes, which is probably the thing I'm most excited about because it combines my education background with farming, which is what I am absolutely loving. And I get to share that with other people and share their connection to food and hopefully inspire them to make some steps towards connecting with their food, even if it that if even if that's just like sitting down and we always share a snack at our classes when they're in person. Even if it's just that connection there, but it has been so meaningful. I have really, really enjoyed it. And yeah, so Bovil classes, Bovil boxes. I love alliteration. <laughs> Bovil everything. Right? Right. <laughs> That's amazing, Laura Jane. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that story with us about, you know, recognizing the burnout that you are feeling. You you put it into words beautifully. And I think there are a lot of people who hear that and can relate to that and maybe don't have the words to put behind it. But like you said, giving all of your energy during the day and then coming home and giving what's left over to the people that you chose and to the people that you made and to your people is a realization that I think, you know, in the last few years, for sure, people have definitely had. So again, thank you so much for sharing that with us because, you know, not only coming to that realization is not easy, but for a lot of people, it's not easy to talk about either. Right. And it was, it was not hard to tell the people in my life, like, Hey, I'm not a teacher anymore, (laughs) but it was, it was weird. I kept joking. I told my husband, I'm retiring. I'm retiring. And he got so, he would get so annoyed. He's like, you are not retiring. You are working so much harder. Stop saying you're retiring. I'm like, I know, but it's fun to say I'm retiring. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So obviously the teaching background is a big inspiration to wanting to teach these classes, but was there a need for this in your community that you found? Yes. I found every time I share something online and I share a lot, I get questions. People want to know. They want, they, people are craving it, right? And especially if you grow up in the city and you have no connection to your food, it's like, what the heck's a garlic scape? How do you cook it? How do you grow it? Does it taste good? <laughs> right. And so just to be able to be like, yeah, it tastes amazing. It was technically like a byproduct before, but it's not. We, and I can show them all sorts of recipes to use. And I have, oh my goodness, I can think of dozens of people in real life, not even online. Those messages are lovely and so encouraging and I love them. But even just like real life people in my circle who are like, hey, I tried garlic scapes for the first time and they were amazing. Thank you. I had no idea they existed. Right. And just being able to share those things with other people and realizing people don't know how to can anymore. People don't know how to bake bread. People don't know, don't have these skills anymore. They're not passed down anymore. How do we fill in that gap? And I love me some YouTube. I love tutorials. I love a good blog, but there is nothing, nothing that replaces a hands-on, get your hands in the dough, you fill a can, let's learn how to do this together that you just can't replicate. And so it, yeah, it's been very fulfilling, very rewarding. I love teaching the Bullville classes. 
Do you do online classes as well? I'm planning on it. We're getting, we're work. I'm working towards it. That is my goal. Hopefully this winter, I'm hoping after harvest and processing everything that I can get my brain wrapped through it. I look, I've looked into it a few different times and I mostly wanted to, I wanted to teach all of my classes in person first, work out any of those kinks and then try and transfer that to online classes. That's my plan. So I'm not going to put a timeline on it because that's, that's, an, feels like a hard thing to do, but it is, it's in the plan. Yeah. It's a whole other beast of the internet and all of the things. But I know for me, as somebody, again, who grew up in the city, who had no idea what a garlic scape was, <laughs> like, sometimes it's intimidating to ask those questions as a person who doesn't know. And so for me personally, to learn from other people who didn't know either. I feel like I have that connection with them. So that's a selling feature for you, for your in-person, but also online classes. So there's your pitch for you. Love it. I love it. I'm taking it. I'll take it and run. <laughs> Perfect. I, t- I need no credit. <laughs> so in, you know, the last, you've had five growing seasons now on your farm and, you know, you're raising your family out there. You've left your career as a teacher to pursue being a farmer and teaching on your farm. Can you share any memorable successes that you've had that you want to celebrate? Last season's garden in general, and I'll put it like, it's like just in general, there were so many things that came into like play that I had been working and tweaking and failed at three seasons before that. And it just, it came together and I was so proud of it. And actually the, the pictures that I shared with you were from the garden last summer, hired a photographer to come take pictures in it because I was just so dang proud of it. I grew so much of our food last year we reached a goal that we had placed for ourselves. We grew pretty much 100% of our meat that we ate as a family last year. And that was like a huge goal um, that we thought it would take us five, six years to do. And we were like, we did it in four. This is amazing. So those are both definite successes. And I was really happy that I, that we were able to celebrate them and eat them all year right? It fed us, it nourished us. And it was a lot of hard work and planning that went into it, but so successful. So very happy with it. That's amazing. And I'm so glad you hired the photographer to come out and do the pictures with you and your family and your garden. And if I can encourage anybody listening, you know, you don't need to hire an expensive photographer, take your iPhone, take your Android phone, whatever you have, take pictures of it. Because like you said, a lot of work went into growing that. And if you just think you're a basic bee by like posting your tomatoes on Instagram, be as basic as you want. Because honestly, (laughs) it's a skill that, like you said, a lot of people don't have. And in our communities and in our circles, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But for the broader community and for the people who don't know how to grow food, whether that's on a small scale or on a large scale. This is sharing where people's food comes from. And like I said, you might might be a basic bitch for doing it, but 
I think it's, I think it's pretty okay. Absolutely. (laughs) It is. And you have to celebrate it. No one else is going to celebrate it for you. You have to celebrate it. (laughs) Honestly, that is probably the biggest takeaway. Nobody else is going to celebrate it. Right. And if they do, then those are your people. And those are the people you should have in your circles, because there's definitely the people that don't celebrate the successes that are right in front of them, whether that's other people's or their own. So we have to be our own biggest cheerleader. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. But, you know, once we find that stride, even bigger things happen for us, right? Yeah, absolutely. So looking ahead, what are your future plans for Beauville Barnyard? So getting my classes online is like very high on the list. We plan on adding sheep at some point and Eventually, I'm going to convince my husband I need a dairy cow, but that's a that's a long term that's a long term goal. But yeah, for sure, shortly we're we're working on fencing our back pasture so that we can put those sheep out there. I wish I could say everyone's like you need the goats, and I I wish I wish I was, but I think I'm a sheep person, not a goat person. I just I think I think so. I won't judge you. It's fine. <laughs> I was listening, I listened to those episodes a few like a while back, and it's always stuck in my, stuck in my mind. You're a goat person or a sheep person? <laughs> and I was like, I'm a sheep person. I I just am. I think I'd be too mad if a goat got out and ate my garden. I I would be too mad. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Uh, I have to say, all of my flower pots this year. <laughs> definitely got a good munching earlier on they came back for the most part but uh yeah they definitely got a good munching yeah so. <laughs> but yeah when it's your livelihood and a goat gets out um r.i.p paycheck right exactly <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't i, I would be too mad i want to ask how have your kids transitioned into the farm life um you had some you know some younger kids when you started and they've grown up uh, living on this farm for the last four years. Tell us how how they made that transition. So my kids are 13, 11, 9, and 5 now. So when we moved out, my youngest was one and she's no one no different. And she is a country girl through and through. I don't like no concept of road safety like all of the any like quintessential country girl that is her <laughs> there were times there's been times where we're like butchering and she's like I need to come out and see when you cut off the heads of the chickens right no no fear my older ones definitely didn't take time per se but it was definitely an adjustment especially for my oldest like he couldn't hop on his bike and bike down to his friend's house anymore But probably what sold them the most was during COVID and he would like pop in and like message friends and he'd find out like they just spent the day playing video games. They had no other options, right? Playgrounds were closed. Like they couldn't even really be outside. And he's like, I was riding my dirt bike. Uh, We were playing in the tree fort. Uh, I was burning stuff. Like, what would I do if I was there? (laughs) So I think that that really sold it on them. And we work hard and we play hard, right? Like we do have some, like the toys for them and they get to live it up. They have a fabulous life and they also, they work hard with us. So they help out with chores and I don't know, I hope that we are teaching them a good work ethic and how that will apply, whether they choose to live in the city 
or in the country, like a work ethic is something you can't buy, right? That is, that is formed. And hopefully that's what we are helping to impart upon them. And that will serve them well in their life wherever they end up. Laura Jane, what is some advice that you would have for anyone listening that wants to start a farm? Do it. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just, it is so much work. It is so much more than you thought it would be, but like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? You, you don't start with 300 chickens, right? You start with a few. You don't start with an acre of a garden, right? You start with a few boxes and those are all skills and you can learn them wherever you are. In that five years that we were looking for our property, both my husband and I spent a significant portion of time learning. So I honed up my canning skills. I tried other preserving methods. We, my husband was uh, learning about hunting. Like there was all sorts of things that we were doing just to try and prepare ourselves for once we got here. And the fact that we knew, okay, if we're trying to learn and do at the same time, you can, you can do that, but it's also a great idea to learn ahead of time. So just do it. And I don't mean just do the farm. I mean, just learn those skills now so that you can apply it where wherever you are. And they are transferable, whether you have a hundred square feet garden or an acre. You can transfer your skills anywhere. And that goes the same as if you are a school teacher and decide that you are going to be a farmer and you can teach your classes, you can teach your community, you can do all of these things. Our skills are transferable into any industry, not only agriculture, but in the real world too, in the outside world. (laughs) Absolutely. I can't believe how much my teaching theater and education and arts has helped me now in social media. And that sounds crazy, but I know people all the time are like, how are you always putting stuff out there? Your face, your whatever. I'm like, because it's just a stage. Like this is just a stage to me. And it's, I'm just setting like my authentic life, but I'm, it's, it's just a stage. I'm just sharing a different stage now. This is a side note for any millennial. I will never forget this that I heard once from a friend, people were talking about how they were nervous to leave voicemails on phones because, you know, as millennials, <laughs> we don't make phone calls or whatever. I'm an older millennial. I prefer talking on the phone. But, you know, they were like, you just have to look at it as a monologue. A voicemail is a monologue. And I never forgot that. So I love that. <laughs> That's for all the theater geeks that are listening. Done. <laughs> Laura Jane, it has been just lovely chatting with you this morning and thank you so much for sharing your story with us. My last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a rural woman for you? Oh, the connection. And first and foremost, like the connection that has made for our family. Uh, as a as a family unit, we are stronger. Uh, we have learned how to work together through hard things and through good things and we've celebrated together and like then our community we found our farm is now a connecting place for people and we love hosting people and people come and they connect and they slow down and they listen to the quiet and that connection 
is amazing and beautiful and we love it. And then like the connection to our food, which is huge. And we raise our animals, we raise our veggies. And we always say like, we, we care and we love on these guys and they have a beautiful life, have one bad day, but you know, there's just something to be said for the fact that they're providing for us and that uh, it is, it just feels so good to sit down to a supper and know, okay, these food, the veggies that we are eating, I planted from seeds that I saved and they have provided for us. And this chicken was raised in the sunshine and ate bugs and grass. And it's just that connection to your food is just something so like on just such a basic level, fulfilling. It is amazing and beautiful and we just love it. Thank you again for sharing your story with us and your journey with us and your light with us today. <laughs> I, I truly appreciate it. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? Everywhere, <laughs> Boville's Barnyard. So B-O-V-I-L-L-E-S Barnyard. And it is Instagram, Facebook, I'm on threads. I think we're on YouTube under that handle. And then I have a website as well, um, bullbillsbarnyard.wordpress. Anyways, I think I sent it to you. You can put that yes. in there, but it's there. I will put it in the yes. show notes so people can find <laughs> it and connect with you and keep their eye out for your online classes coming soon. Yes, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again so much, Laura Jane. It has been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. Online. Special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story.